Welcome to the official podcast of the Mount Rubidoux Seventh-day Adventist Church. Thank you for joining us on our series, Inside Out. Our speaker for today is Michael B. Kelly II. He brings us the message entitled Joy. Hey, we're in uh, the last part of our series, Inside Out. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's get to work. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter uh, 8. I want to start at verse 9. Nehemiah chapter 8. I want to start at verse 9. I'm going to tell y'all, this is one of the few times I'm preaching very selfishly because I'm just preaching about what I went through today. And if y'all um, catch it, that's cool. Um, but this, this, this is something that I think, and I think we all are, but I, I really just experienced this the last three weeks, and I think it'd be important uh, for us to get a bit of this too. Um, here's what it says in Nehemiah 8, starting at verse 9. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, you know, Christians in office, Just saying. And Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy. This day is what, everybody? It's holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people, this is hilarious, were weeping when they heard the words of the law. They hear the, they're hearing the word of God being read and they just cry for whatever reason. Then he said to them, Go. Eat of the fat. This is the fat that's left from the sacrifices. Drink of the sweet. I don't know what Dr. Chitty will say about that. And send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And here's what he says. We've read this text, but we sometimes get out of context. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I just want to talk about joy today. Talk about joy today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to present your word. Thank you for the precious, awesome souls who were just baptized and given their lives today. We celebrate, we, we honor them. And we just ask, Lord, that as their journey really just begins, that none of us will ever forget that moment when we were baptized as well. And may the same energy and excitement and vigor that maybe we all experienced at that moment, may it be reinvigorated into us right now, is our prayer in Jesus' name. But everybody say amen and amen. Um, Malcolm X is, is famous for making fun of Christians. And he had a very specific reason why. And I think the movie Malcolm X, which I think is one of the greatest films ever made, uh, one of the greatest performances by Denzel Washington uh, ever, ever put out, uh, was Malcolm X. And there's this one particular scene where he just has joined the Nation of Islam. And, and I'm talking, those brothers are hardcore evangelists, right? And he's sit, sitting outside of a Christian church on Sunday. And they come outside, these, these black folk come outside, and he sits there and he says, I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised y'all been in there shooting and shouting and doing all that stuff and talking about heaven and ain't nothing different out here. I'm so surprised. And Malcolm X's issue with Christianity was simply this, that Christianity is so focused on the world to come that it forgets about what's happening now. 
And sometimes we, we, we really can see that in, in, in the way that we talk about things because usually when things are happening here on earth, our excuse is, well, don't worry, we're going to go to heaven someday soon. We use words and language that is very biblical, but yet we say it for a different reason. Well, this earth is not my home. I'm just passing through. Forgetting that that's even inappropriate theology, this is your home. Because we go to heaven for a thousand years to look at the books, God recreates it, and then we come back here. And, and, so, and so we've got this idea sometimes of Christianity, and this is how people look at Christianity. We even see this issue when it comes to social justice with our church. Don't worry about fixing things here now. Don't worry about things taking place here now. All the stuff that we're supposed to get, the good things we're supposed to experience, God is going to give it to us in heaven. And that applies with social justice, the issues of the world, and things of that nature. But I've also found it creep in to this thing called happiness. Like some of us think it's okay Not to be happy and joyful here on earth because one day we'll be able to have all the happiness and all the joy. And if you don't believe me, it even creeps in to our relationships, our marriage relationships, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, we are sometimes made to feel like something's wrong with us because we want to be happy. Happiness is something that we are told that you have to have a choice. You can either be happy or holy, but you can't be both. Sometimes even in, in all different kinds of relationships. And so as I thought about that growing up and, and, and looking at this and then looking at a lot of us, we reflect that kind of theology because in some places you just don't see not only happy and joyful people in this world, but you don't even see happy and joyful Christians. I'm going to get to that point in a moment, but I had to ask myself the question, okay, what does Jesus say? about being happy on earth, like legitimately happy, pleased, and joyful here on earth. And when you go to John 10, 10, I want you to go there. In the book of John, the, the, each gospel has a different emphasis, and John's gospel emphasizes Jesus as the son of God. So he's got seven I am statements. In John 10, Jesus is talking about him being the door for the sheep. He says, so I'm the door. Anyone who wants to be saved has to come through me. That's what Jesus says. If you want to be saved, it has to be through me. Immortality and eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. And so he is making it very clear. You want to be saved, you have to come through me. But then he says these interesting words in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We're going to get to that in a moment. But then here's what Jesus says. He says, but I have come. That they might have, what everybody? Life and have it more abundantly. Or in some translations, I came that they may have life and life more abundantly. As a matter of fact, that's a better translation from the Greek to the English. Now, the Greek word there for life, which is very clear what everyone was hearing at this time. Ah, Jesus, context says this. You're the only way through salvation that someone can be saved. So when he says, I came that you may have life, it's fitting that the Greek word zoe is there because zoe means eternal life. So Jesus is saying, I came that you may have eternal life. And that's what every religious person at this time is thinking. But remember, he adds a double there because he doesn't say, I came that you may have life, but life again. And this time he adds another word, more abundantly. Now, how are you going to get more abundant than eternal life? Have y'all thought about that for a moment? You can't get more abundant than eternal life. That's it. 
So what Jesus is actually doing, which is when the two words are used together, and when he adds abundantly at the end, Jesus here is saying, I've come for two reasons. Number one, to give you eternal life, but then number two, and here's how that Greek word zoe now is translated again, it is translated not eternal life the second time, but it's translated joy, happiness, and pleasure. Y'all miss it. I see, you know, no joy. Y'all can't even receive that thing. Jesus Christ is telling us right now, he says, I didn't just come so you can have eternal life, but I came that before you experience eternal life, you will have happiness and joy and pleasure on this planet. And because it's going to be the right joy, which is rooted and grounded in me, you won't want this more than you want me. Are y'all following me? Some people get afraid, oh, I'll be so happy here that I won't want to go to heaven. Then you don't understand God's joy. Because I want to go to heaven not because of what's up there, but because of who's there. And here's the thing you got to understand about this earth, because I I really thought about this. God, you talking about having life and life more abundantly. Now, y'all, can I just be transparent with y'all for a moment? I got to be super transparent with y'all. If I ever have a moment where I doubt God, as far as like, is there really a God? It's when I start seeing the treatment of people of color. Because I'm just like, God, we can't get a break. 2 a.m., basketball player parked in a parking lot across three spots in an empty parking spot and gets tased by the police. Then I look at other pictures and videos of my white brothers and sisters waving guns at the police. And they say, can you please put it down, sir? I'm just like, come on, man. And stuff is unbelievable. And, and so I say to myself, I said, God, I said, if you're talking about having life and joy and happiness, I said, man, do you have like a different section of eternal life for us? Right. But God showed me something about this idea of his joy. Remember, he's not just talking about any joy. He says, I came which means that you may have life and life more abundantly, which means whatever God is giving us in this joy and happiness comes from God. And here is the thing that blew my mind about the joy of God, that the joy of God is so powerful that in spite of police brutality, that in spite of racism, that in spite of death, that in spite of being poor, we can still have joy because it's a different kind of joy that's not based on a circumstance. It's based on a God who is joy. And so what makes us different is our life does not dictate our happiness. But what God wants from us, I need you all to hear me. What God wants from us is to be happy, joyful people. He wants you to have it. He wants you to have a smile on your face. He wants life to be able to go well. And then where he shows how really powerful he is, is that even when it doesn't go well, you still have that same smile. But make no mistake about it. Your God wants you happy. Now, here's the thing that we're going to get to in just a second. True happiness and joy comes when we're living in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Because see, some of the things you think make you happy, that ain't real happiness. That's this worldly happiness, earthly happiness. And when I say world, I should say secular society kind of happiness. But God says there's a happiness that I want you to be able to experience here on earth. Does that make sense to everybody? 
Y'all bought into that? Your heavenly father wants you to be joyful. But as we read in Nehemiah, here are these church people. Here are these church people. And they literally are in this service. They're hearing the word of God being read to them. And they're just like weeping. And they're crying. And they're, they're bothersome. And they're upset. And, 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 and Nehemiah is like, what on earth is going on? And here's what you find out historically. That religion had made the people unhappy. Like all the stuff that was taking place surrounding them and all over them made them unhappy. And and when I start to think about it, I'm not going to tell you where I preach, but I remember I went and preached in this one particular church. And y'all, I'm not talking about, I've been to conservative churches before. I can tell the difference between folk who are reserved Right, I've been there before. I preach, preach that. As a matter of fact, I even preached one GYC. Y'all like, for real? Yeah, I did. And when I was there preaching and watching them, I said, God, thank you that there are no visitors in this place. Because if a visitor walked in they, and they thought that that is what Christianity was supposed to be, y'all, I had never been in a place where there was no joy. In worshiping God. I mean, there was literally no joy in the room. I literally cut, Lord forgive me if I'm wrong, I cut a part of my sermon. I said, I gotta get out of here for a moment. I said, this thing is killing me, man. It was sucking everything out of me. I, I, I looked at page three and I was like, let me skip over that and get to page seven. There's no joy, man. And here's the thing that hit me. If there's any debt that folks should be joyful, it's a Sabbath day. That's number one. I mean, that's real talk. When you think about really what it is. And, and so here's the thing that sometimes blows my mind. That, that, that some of us on like even this day, and for us as Christians, we should be the most joyful people on the face of the planet. Because we have so much to be joyous about. But I'm just going to keep it real. Some of y'all just look mean. I'm for real, man. And I see you. Y'all don't see yourselves right now. But sometimes I'll be up here to preach and I'll be like, man, am I getting through? Because it's like. <laughs> I'm saying we should be here like, yeah. It's Sabbath. Where's the sweet drink? We got some afterwards, afterwards, right? We got lemonade for you. Where's the fat? Because it's celebration. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is not just what we should only be on Sabbath. We should be like this at our jobs. People should be like, what's wrong with you? Like, it's Monday. Yes, it's Monday. Because we're joyful people. And why do we have a joy? It's not based on the, what's in our bank account. It's not based on what's going well or what's going right. It's based on the fact that we've got a God who loves us so much and has given us everything in his son, Jesus Christ. And so that gives me a joy that the world did not give and the world can't take away. Not for real, man. We need to live joyful lives. Now, Dr. Chitty talked about stress last night. And see, what we don't even understand is that God gave us this thing called joy, not just so we could be good witnesses to other people, but so you can live longer. How many mean hundred-year-olds do you know? And if they, have you ever seen some mean old folk? They don't look vibrant, man. Let me tell you, I mean, it's not, they just, you know, pent over, man. 
But I'll tell you, one, one, one of the most joyful ladies that I know here, here at this church, Sister Maintenance, man. Now, I get black don't crack, but I mean, she's driving and just chilling, man, because she's got joy and it does something to you. And so what I'm suggesting to you is that we as Christians need to learn to have joy. But remember what our text said in John 10, 10, because I get it. I, I get part of the reason we don't have joy. And this is why I really want to be uh, just a little selfish on today. The Bible says, I came that you may have life, eternal life and joy and happiness before you experience the eternal life. He said, but the thief, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, follow the context. Follow the context. What does he want to kill, steal, and destroy? He don't care about your family. I want to let you know that. He cares nothing about your family. He cares nothing about your finances. He cares nothing about your personal health. The devil's after one thing, your soul. And what he does is uses the finances, the family, and your health to get to it. Which is why, I need y'all to follow this real quick. I'm off my nose for a moment. Which is why if we lived Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, when he touched all that other stuff, it would not bother us because we know that we seek righteousness and then God adds the other stuff. So if the devil takes it away, God will just add it again. But because we're after those things... And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. The devil says, I'm messing with your treasure because I know that's where your heart's at. Is that making sense? So he don't care about your stuff. He just cares about you. But he knows for a lot of us to get to us, just get to your stuff. So God says, I've come to give you eternal life and this happiness here. You can have it here. But the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So here's what he wants to do. The devil wants to steal your salvation. He wants to kill your salvation. He wants to destroy your salvation. But here's the other thing he wants to do as well. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to kill and steal your happiness. Because he says, you know what? If I can maybe get them to not experience joy and all that stuff down here, then maybe that will mess with their eternal life in some way. So I'd ask myself, okay, what is the thing that the devil does the most that would affect every single person in this room? No matter how holy you are, no matter how righteous you are, no matter how long you've been in church, what is the one thing that he does that will totally and completely rob us, I believe, of joy? And it's this incredible word, which is this acronym that I remember my teacher taught me a while ago, and I I need to put it back on my wall as a result of what this last month for me looked like. Um, But it's busy. Being under Satan's yoke. How many of y'all have ever been busy before? Everybody's been busy, right? I, I want to I break it down in this way. And then here's what I want to go. Just a few things I think that we, that we run into. I remember when I was in, in college, I was dating this young lady. She just got in her apartment. And we were, were talking through what we like in, you know, the, the opposite sex and things. And one of the things just for me is, you know, clean is really cool. You know. And organized is, is really neat, too. I love for stuff to have a place. Um, not because I think it always has to be in that place, but if it's not in that place, then you know exactly where it needs to go. 
So I'm not one of those guys that's OCD and everything's got to always be, you know, whatever. Now, my closet's a little different, you know, and only because I'm busy. So I need to know where all my white shirts are. White, the color, the pants, the suits, that's it. But other than that, if stuff is kind of out and different things, as long as it doesn't stay that way for two weeks, right? You know, just put it away. And so, you know, she knew that. So I remember she said, hey, I want you to come over and, and see the apartment and stuff like that. I was like, cool. And I walked in and I was like, yes, thank you, God. She's clean, right? And everything was nice and neat and put in order. It was cold, you know, in D.C. So I said, oh, you know, I, this is rude. You shouldn't do this. But, you know, I felt comfortable. So I took off my jacket and I opened up the closet. Right? Like you're supposed to ask first. Like, can I put my jacket here? And you should have seen her face as I opened up the closet. She's like, no! And <laughs> well, I opened up the closet. Everything that probably was in the living room was in the closet. It was just jammed in there. It was just filled with all kinds of stuff that did not belong inside of the closet, right? And if we're honest with ourselves, everybody has got some kind of closet that way. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're trying to get rid of those. You've seen them in churches, right? We're trying to get rid of the ones here. Sometimes it was our gym. We just see this corner, and it's just filled with stuff. And you've got all different kinds of stuff inside of your closet. How many of y'all got that closet? Y'all got that? Some of that? Is that your bedroom sometimes, or it's just stuff? It's just piled all over the place. And here's what that closet turns into. It's a catch-all. It's like, oh, uh, uh, where do you put this? Uh, I don't know, the closet. Now, half of it should be in the garbage. Because if you ain't used it in two years. But here's the thing that I thought about for a moment. A lot of us have closets like that. And you know what I'm talking about. We're just piled full of stuff. It's not organized. Stuff is just everywhere. It's piled full of stuff. We've got places we see in our church that's like that. Maybe your office desk is like that. And you use the excuse, well, I know where everything is. But I'm going to tell you this. It's okay for your closet maybe to be like that. It's okay for your office to be like that. But it's not okay for your life to be like that. And that's one of the things that I'm really finding out that, that, that what we have done is we have squeezed everything in, try to squeeze everything into our lives that we leave ourselves no room for this thing we're going to talk about very quickly called margin. Our finances shouldn't look like that. We should not have our finances in such a way that if you have one emergency, it's game over. Our relationship shouldn't look like that so much time that we don't have any room for anything else because things are just piled in on top of our lives. And for all of us who are experiencing that kind of thing, this is what a lot of our day-to-day lives look like. They look like we've got all kinds of stuff. And I'm just going to tell you, and i got to be real, at 7 o'clock, we're leaving the house. I'm dropping you know, the girls off uh, to school. Then i got to drive back in this traffic. And so I leave at 7, get back at 9. Then I go to work. And then as soon as I'm done with work, I've got speed back up to get one by three, then another one by 3.30. Then I'm coming back. It's like, whew, 4.15, I'm done. No, you're not. There's gymnastics. And then there's play practice. And somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about today. (laughs) And and you're you're driving 80 miles an hour, upset with people, and it's not their fault. And then by the time you get to the rehearsal and by the time you get to the show, you can't even enjoy it the way that you want to. Because all the joy 
has been sucked away. Because you've been in California traffic for four hours every single day. Like y'all gotta understand, as I told you, I'm making it personal. Y'all just let me vent for just a moment here. I'm not a pastor. I'm an Uber driver. That's why these two girls right here, man, like, Daddy, you have an allowance? I said, your allowance is me Ubering you <laughs> from point A to B to C to D to E. Then by the time you get home, John has been in rehearsal. She's been in school since 7 a.m., got rehearsal till 8. Janice has just finished with gymnastics from 5 to 8, and they've been working her as hard as all can be. And then we're supposed to go home and have family dinner? No, because by that time, we got to go grab something quick to eat. We can't sit down at the table because half the time they fall asleep with a burrito in their mouth. And then here's what's crazy. Go to bed and start the... Then I got, Pastor, why didn't you return my call yet? And, and, and got to write your sermon. And you got to have time for worship. And, and you got to have time for exercise. And you got to have time to, are y'all listening to me today? So you just driving all up and down the freeways. And, and then if you travel, like right after I'm done preaching here, I got to go to LAX to catch a flight. And I'm going to spend more time in the air than I am preaching at Pine Forge. And I'm supposed to have joy. <laughs> you know that song, you know, I've got J-O-Y, joy. joy. No, I don't have that. You know what I got? Don't push me, because I'm close to the end. <laughs> like, that's my song. I'm trying to <laughs> Man! That's my hymn of meditation. Y'all, thank you for letting me vent. I'm, 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 I, feel, I feel better to get it out. Thank y'all. All right, who's next? Your, your turn, right? <laughs> Come on, who's next? Come on. <laughs> so here's the thing that we need to do. Because see, when Jesus was talking about in the last days, he said, be prepared so that the last days don't catch you unaware. And he gave us three things to worry about. He said surfeiting, which is licentious living as far as sexual activity and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't apply to everybody. Then he said drunkenness. Some people just don't drink. But the one that he really focused on, that he says, so the last days don't catch us unaware, he said, are the cares of this world. And when we hear the cares of this world, we think, oh, worldliness. No, no, no. The cares of this world are making sure you got enough money for your kids to go to school. The cares of this world are roof over your head, gasoline inside of your car. And so we spend so much time trying to take care of stuff that our lives are loaded. And because they're so loaded, we're moving from here to here to there to there to everywhere. 
and it takes away the joy of even the moment when we arrive. That's what it does. So, um, what is the solution to this? And it's actually very simple, but it is difficult a little bit in practice. And I want to say it to you this way. We need to create space. We need to create what, everybody? Between our current pace and our limits. We need to create space between our current pace and our limits. In other words, if your limit is right here, your life, oh, thank you, your life should not be full of things that take you here. You need to create the space that says, you know what? Here is my limit. So I'm going to have space in between where I am and what I allow in my life and my limit. Does that make sense? Now, your limit might be more than mine. Mine might be more than yours or less. It doesn't matter. What you just have to determine is, what is my limit? And when you see where your limit is, you have to say the most beautiful words in the English language. Oh, y'all know those words. And sometimes no hurts other people's feelings. But it should bring you joy. See, my no to you might bring me joy. Your no to me might bring me joy. So we've got to create this space. We need to do this with our time. You really need to do that with your time. We should do it with our finances. Like you shouldn't be living in your finances like this. You've got to start cutting some stuff out so that if things start happening in your life, you've got enough room to maneuver and do those things. But when we don't have that, certain things happen to us when we're always living like this. Joy comes when you put space between what your limit is, right, and the pace of your life. Now, because I want and love my girls to be involved in certain things, you know, I don't want them to just go to school. I want them to be in gymnastics. I want them to be in, in all those different kinds of things. And that's very important to me. It is. I, I want to be at doctor's appointments and all those kinds of things and, you know, taking them to the bank and having them open up their own accounts so they can learn these things. I want that. Therefore, that's the pace of my life. Two pretty much teenage girls. Y'all pray for me. Beautiful, wonderful girls, but just teenagers is different. Just different just different. (laughs) So because I need to create that space, when things try to get added to me, I can't add if it's going to close this gap. This gap has to be kept here because this is my space and that's my limit and I need space in between. So either here are the two things I have to do. Let go of some stuff here to make room for the other or say no because I have no room for anything else. Does that make sense? Joy happens with space. And here's the thing I want to tell you. Everyone can create that space. Don't tell me, well, Pastor, you don't understand my life. And you don't understand mine. Like everybody's got something that could easily push them here. We have to make decisions as to what is the most vital and most important for us as human beings to experience what God wants us to do on this earth and create that distance in space. If you don't, there are a few things that are going to happen that I just want to go over. If you are living on the edge, stress levels go up. When there are so many things taking place in our lives, we become extremely stressed and irritable. For me, as a pastor, I find that when too much is going on, I snap, maybe, I have a different way that I can be with, you know, with my family and, and, and all that. That's not okay. And it's no one else's fault. It's the fact that I've just got this 
pace, I become irritable, and now I take it off on everybody else. And so stress, and Dr. Chitty talked about that last night, stress will kill you. Not kind of sore, that's not like a figurative thing. It will literally kill you. Why do you think that God says that one of the most important things we can have is faith so that in the last days we ain't stressed out? Because we just trust him to take care of everything. The second thing that happens when we don't have that margin or that space in our lives is we become extremely short-sighted. We become extremely short-sighted. What does that mean? We're only thinking about and looking at the things that are in front of us because it's happening so fast. Uh, how many of y'all lived in the ghetto ever? It's okay. You, move, you came on up. It's okay. Let me tell you what they do with individuals who grew up, grow up in the hood because they understand this idea of being so busy that it makes you short-sighted. That here's what they'll do. Notice they don't have loan marts in the neighborhood up on Troutwine. They don't have that. People have a different kind of pace of life. But in the hood, as, as, as with a Tupac, I'm just trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents and be legit and still pay the rent. So they get that. That's a stressful life. Our capacity for different individuals in the hood, they're like right here. No, they're not. They're like here. And they're trying to make that work. So what do they do? Because you're living that way, you're only thinking about the day and what's happening in the moment that, man, I got to, I got to hurry up. I got to get some money. So they'll go to a loan mart, take out a loan on their paycheck with like 45% interest. And so what they're thinking about, listen, is short-sightedly, I can get this money now, but they're not thinking about what they're going to have to pay back later. And so the same thing happens with us. We're so caught up on the day-to-day that we forget about, yo, there's a future coming. There's some better and bigger investments that we need to be able to make. And so while I'm sitting here, and it hit me one day, I'm sitting here running my kids from gymnastics to this to that and the other, short-sighted, making sure they get there. And I say, wait a second, in three years, Gianna's going to go to college. Have I even been preparing financially for that? Did y'all catch what, just, what I just said? Because I was so caught up in the day-to-day, I wasn't able to think about the investments I needed to make for the future. Unless she goes to Oakwood and it's free. And babe, I'm just saying that that might have to be the case. <laughs> I would say you to CUC, but I ain't free. (laughs) Then the third thing I think that happens is our relationships suffer, don't they? When you're so busy, you don't have time for family, for things that are important. One of the things that breaks my heart, and even though I understand where it's coming from, is when I get texts from some of you all, Pastor, I'd love to talk and hear the next words that come out of your mouth on the text, and I know you're busy. Now, that's good, because I want you to think I'm lazy. But it's almost implied like, man, I know that you probably don't have enough time for this. And I hate that. I hate that, because when that happens, relationships suffer, don't they? Where you feel like it's kind of hit and miss, and you got to get in everything that you can. And the only reason it's like that is because I've been living like this. I've been living like this. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that anything bad has happened or you don't see the joy on our face. But sometimes it's just so much because we haven't created enough space. If that makes sense, let me hear you say amen. amen. So here's the last thing I just want to close at, and let's see if uh, you guys can come out and, and just 
just play for us as we get ready to just, to just wrap this up. So you got to create the space, right? What do you got to do, everybody? Create the space, which means you got to let some stuff go. You got to say no to some stuff. And some stuff you just got to get completely out of your way. So what does God give us to help us understand this idea of needing space? He gives us something to remind us you need space because it's in that space where you're going to experience this joy that I have for you. And what does he give us for that? He gives us something incredible because he gave it to people who are living like that. Israel, for a long time, was living just like this. I mean, everything was just so packed in for them. And that's why God shows up and he pulls them out of Egypt and he says it differently in Exodus than he does in Deuteronomy. But in Deuteronomy 5.15, God breaks down to them the Sabbath in this way. He says, remember when you were slaves in Egypt. Now, I'm going to put the modern-day Michael Kelly translation on that. He says, remember when you didn't have any space. Remember when you didn't have any time. Remember when everything was just so packed and piled on you that you were so stressed that you could have no joy. As a matter of fact, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land, right? Like, how can we do that? Because everything is so packed in and so stressed. But God says, here's what I'm giving you. Not as something to suck the joy. But it's something to help you experience joy. He's like, I'm going to give you a day where you can have space. He's like, I'm giving you a day. And listen, this day was not created for theological reasoning. This was not God creating this day so we could say, yep, this is why the seven days of Sabbath, and that's why this is it. That's not why God created the day. He created the day because he knew that we need space. That we need a break from all that stuff because he says, for six days... You're going to have some stuff. And even in those six days, I want there to be space. But just in case you don't get that, I'm giving you one day where you can have space. Which is why we try so hard as a church because I know we add to it. And we've said this before and we're going to get better at it because I've said this uh, many times before. And we just have to get better. That sometimes your Sabbath looks like your week. Can we just tell the truth to shame the devil? Sabbath morning. You wake up. Is your hair done? No, hurry up. Mom, I can't get it done. Well, you just going to have to go just like that. <laughs> I didn't have breakfast. Fast. <laughs> and you're going to, you rushing here. And you bringing your kids in the, in the church and, and, and go up to Sabbath school. You coming in and you want to participate in the lesson. And that's at 10. We, we push it back. And, and then you got church and, and then church goes for two hours. And then after church, you maybe can go home. But then we got something else you got to come back for. And this day just gets so much packed. And now you need rest from the day of rest. When sometimes we just need to go home. And go on a nice walk. And spend some time with the family that you did not get during the week. Where you can connect with one another and experience this space. And that's the reason I get it. For some of us, the Sabbath isn't a joy. It wasn't a day of space. It was a day of more rushing. Of more busyness. Of more rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. When God said, no, no, no. I gave you this day to show you what space is supposed to look like Monday through Friday. And so here's my challenge to you. Here's just my simple challenge to you. God wants you to have joy. And this day is a practice at what it's like to get that joy. The only way you're going to find joy is when you create some space between 
the pace of your life and your limits. Some people are going to be offended. And if they're offended, then that just means they haven't created that space. Because anybody who's done the same thing will understand your no. So my challenge to you, let's be joyful. Let's be joyful when we're dropping our kids off. Let's be joyful when we're picking them up. Let's be joyful when we're cooking that meal because it doesn't have to be rushed. Let's be joyful because we're able to spend time with our families because we don't have to go from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. But let's pace out our lives and create the space where we can experience the joy of the Lord. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're going to do that, let me see you praise God today. If you're going to do that. We pray that this message has been a blessing to you, so much so that you would be willing to share it as a witness. As always, thank you again for joining us and tune in weekly for more inspirational messages that will prayerfully give you a more intimate relationship with God.